From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News. Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Rowley Nadler, and we have Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my co-host, on the phone. We'll bring on Kathy in just a moment. But between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of executives perform in the top 10%. Today's show features a best-selling author of the book, The First 30 Days, Ariane de Bonfassan. And we'll make sure that she says her name so that we get it right. I give my best shot there. But like many of you, Ariane is no stranger to change. Some of, of it's expected, and some of it caught her uh, by surprise. Change is what we're going to be talking about today, and change has been an integral part of her life. While things have not always been easy, she believes that there's ways of making change a bit simpler, of starting off with the right beliefs, foundation, people, information, and inspiration. Today, Ariane will share, share some of her secrets for making change easier with tips from her new book, which I mentioned is The First 30 Days. And uh, Ariane told us that she just uh, appeared on the Today Show also talking about this. So we're going to try to get her energized up and and hear from her. But, you know, Kathy and I always want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders, and we want to provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. And, Kathy, welcome to the call. Hi, Riley. I am delighted today to have Ariane as our guest, and she is just a tremendous, tremendous human being, and she has spent so much of her life in change. I know all of our listeners are really going to get a lot out of our conversation today. And as you know, we are all very much aware that the leaders in our organizations are essentially the heartbeat of who we are, what we do in our industry. But most leaders can really underestimate just how much influence they have over others. And as a result, you know, sometimes, well, they just underperform. But what we're going to do today and in every show that we do every week is help you, the listener, do just a few things differently so that you can improve your performance and your organization. And in every show, Relly and I try to bring you a little bit about how to develop more leaders in your organization, what happy companies know about performance, a little bit about emotional intelligence, positive psychology strategies, maybe something about brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance. And, of course, we always like to talk about work-life balance and strategies for managing yourself and your boss so that you can be your best. We are always excited to bring you the best in leadership development news. And, Relly, maybe you can tell our audience um, a little bit about some of the, I don't know, the facts and figures around uh, leadership development because we know that that's important. But before you do, Ariane, could you say hello? Hello. Such a uh, pleasure to be here. Oh, bonjour. Thank you for being here. Of course. Light. <laughs> in our end, uh, we have a, a list of exciting questions we want to pick your brain about. But before we do that, we want to just say a, a few of the facts and figures about why do we speak about leaders and leadership so much. Well, leaders we know have 50 to 70% influence 
over the climate of the team. We like to say that they're the emotional thermostat for the team. If they're uh, hot and excited and empowered, so is their team. If they're down, uh, irritated, and depressed, so is their team. And the key to being a, a star performer is to try to get someone in the top 10%. So that's why we're trying to give you things that you can do to help you or your people get in, a, in that top 10%. And why that? We know if leaders are in the top 10%, they produce twice as much revenue to the organization in, as managers in the 11th through the 89th percentile. And one way to help with that, both Kathy and I are certified coaches, and training helps productivity as much as 22%, but if you can add coaching to that, it can enhance a person's productivity as much as uh, 88%. And we also know that you can increase performance by as much as 77% while increasing your life and professional satisfaction by as much as 50% with coaching. If you're interested in more information from Kathy, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, her website is www.h2cleadership.com for her happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. If you're interested in uh, myself, Dr. Rowley Nadler, my website is www.truenorthleadership for free emotional intelligence assessments and then books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. And, Kathy, maybe you can tell us uh, about uh, Ariana and also how, how the two of you have met. That would be an, just a pleasure for me to do. And I will attempt to say Ariane's name correctly. I believe it is Ariane de Beauvaisin. And um, throughout Very her nice. life and her career, uh, Ariane has just continued to notice that the one constant in all of our lives is that change happens. And the most, ex- well, I guess, For some people, it's not as exciting as it is to me, but for most people, um, exciting things happen when change happens. And as strange as that may seem, uh, we all have to be prepared uh, because we know it's guaranteed to happen. You know, change is very much a part of her DNA. Uh, Ariane was born in New York to Belgian and French parents, and from the very get-go, they were this international family that was definitely on the move. She has just been, I think, on six different continents, um, or actually six different countries on three different continents, and has learned to speak four languages, and she went to five different schools, all of this before the age of 18. And uh, interestingly enough, her last name, de Beauvaison, literally translates to good neighbor in English. And uh, this has turned out to be quite serendipitous for her. But uh, after graduating from the London School of Economics, Ariane joined the Boston Consulting Group, where she worked in more than a dozen countries. And after getting her MBA at Stanford, she moved back to New York to work for media giant BMG and Sony Music. Um, In 2000, she was tapped by Time Warner to become the managing director of a very innovative digital media venture fund. Uh, Ariane also spent some time in Africa, as did I. That's where I, I think our spiritual paths may have crossed, working for a nonprofit, and she had a short tenure exploring the world of television with Charlie Rose. As a certified trainer for the Anthony Robbins Company, she's attended and helped oh, at dozens of seminars on many subjects, including health and relationships, finances, life skills, and spirituality. And on a personal front, uh, Ariane was uh, also... Um, a professional skier. 
Uh, she is just a tremendous person. I could go on and on about her, but we're going to learn more about her in our conversation today. And um, I guess to start us off, Ariane and I met at the Governor's Conference for Women in, um, I guess, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, not too long ago in October. It was an honor uh, to be uh, among the speakers who were there. And uh, I know Ariane's new book, uh, The First 30 Days, has just been on the top of mind uh, of everyone because we are in a new year. And as you said, she was just on the Today Show this morning. So welcome, Ariane, to the program. Thank you, Kathy, and thank you, Relly. Real pleasure. You're welcome. So, Ariane, we like to usually start off uh, getting into a little bit of Who's been the most uh, influential people or thinkers in your life, in your career, and, and maybe how they have shaped your thinking about change as a positive experience? It's a great, great first question. Um, I would say the very first people that shape anyone's perception of change are your parents. Um, as you said, change was very much part of my DNA when, when we were growing up. One thing you get really good at is change when you're being yanked out of schools and being thrown into different cultures and languages and religious environments and even health traditions. So I would say my mom was certainly the rock and the foundation in terms of making change okay, making change acceptable, making change something to look forward to, and creating some safety around change. I think that's a very important message even for any parents that might be listening, is most parents do not teach their kids about change. If anything, they protect their kids from change and they try and have nothing change around their kids because they think they're doing them a favor. But creating safety around the concept of change um, certainly showed up from my mother first. Um, I would say other people that have been very influential, um, I do have a coach that I've worked with for about eight years, um, and she has very high standards for me. And she will not get in the hole with me. She will throw me a ladder, and she will get me up the ladder. Um, so really and allowing me to find my own strength, not giving me her own, um, of you know, shining a light as to the direction I need to go in. But I'm a big believer in, in having someone there that you respect, that you know, thinks the same as you do, whether it's emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, whichever paradigm or framework is important for you. She certainly does that for me. Um, You know, two other people that come to mind, definitely Mother Teresa. Um, A lot of selfless service, a lot of, um, you know, there's a couple of amazing quotes. And whenever I do workshops, I always open and end with one of these quotes. And one of them is, you know, God does not require you to succeed. He only requires that you try. And that's just been, it's been very helpful for me to know that I'm not the one that needs to judge my success, have these ridiculously high standards of perfection, be incredibly demanding of the next thing I've got to, you know, do great at or survive. What I need to do is be human and try and show up fully and take it a day at a time. Um, So Mother Teresa is definitely, definitely one for me. And I'd say another one was probably Wayne Dyer. He was one of the very first teachers that crossed my path when I was a teenager. I was fortunate enough about 20 years ago. Um, and I think every one of his books, you know, is based in you finding something within yourself that does not change because everything around you is guaranteed to change, you know, and making me go inwards and inside for answers and certainty as opposed to outside where there's always a lot of uncertainty and changes all around us. Yeah, you know, Ariane, I, I um, 
I cut your bio a little short in our introduction because I wanted to get into the meat of the conversation around the book, The First 30 Days, and now your company. You're actually the CEO of The First 30 Days. Uh, you know, you have reached the summits of Mount Kilimanjaro and gone to Antarctica. You've done, I mean, cage diving with great white sharks in South Africa. You've helped disabled runners in the New York Marathon. So you've always done a lot of things in your life, and um, it's obvious that when you've thought about doing these things, it's taken you uh, kind of some self-searching, some self-propelling um, to, to, to get into those mindsets, to be able to go to those different places and do those different things. So tell us a little bit about how, how you actually got the idea to write this book, The First 30 Days. The idea, it's funny when an idea finds you or when an idea is born. I think ideas are within us all the time. It's really a matter for us to start thinking with awareness and and start actually putting some, some water to them. But, you know, my background was corporate world, very traditional sort of business track. And I realized when I got to Time Warner, I was in a very prestigious job. I was running a $500 million fund at age 28. And I'd climbed a very high ladder, and I was not convinced that it was the right ladder or that it was leaning up against the right wall. Well, I'm going to ask you to pause on that thought for just a second. We're going to go to a short break, and we're going to be right back with Ayan Dubovisan talking about the first 30 days. So come right back. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadylocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors cried the second. I hope it has the bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadilocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org, and from energyhog.org she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy, and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org, or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. 
homeowners, real estate investors, bankers. Listen up and tune in to Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight, the show that breaks it all down and gives it to you straight. Are you at risk of foreclosure? Interested in buying a foreclosed property? Mark Bull has the answers to the questions you might forget to ask. Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight broadcast live on the Voice America Business Channel Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific. You can't afford not to tune in. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with uh, Ariane, the author of The First 30 Days. And the last question that we were just getting into before the break was the idea of, of uh, how to write that. And you were talking about at 28, you were asking yourself, is this the right ladder and is this the right wall? So maybe you can kind of zero back in on that, Ariane. Absolutely. So I really started allowing that inner voice, that inner microphone to be heard. I think for a lot of years I kept on convincing myself I was happy, I had a big job, it was prestigious, I had a Stanford MBA, I was, you know, I should have been really happy and really fulfilled. And it wasn't quite um, what I wanted to do. So then began the journey of facing a career change um, without having the certainty of what was next, without knowing what job was next, what industry was next, if I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I'd been told all my life I was a business person, um, not an entrepreneur and not a creative person. So that identity shift um, was certainly not an easy one for me to go through. But what I did was I left Time Warner eventually, and I went traveling, and I took a couple of years really to find ways of giving back, find ways of really fully living and enjoying life. I had started working when I was 19, so I thought it was time for me to, to enjoy a little bit and spend some time in Italy and read books. And, and then I did this nonprofit in Africa for a year, and then I learned how to windsurf. And, you know, every one of those things sort of led to the creation and development of this current business because what I noticed was everyone I was meeting in any country at any time of morning, noon, or night was in one of three categories. They were either struggling with a life change they were getting divorced, they'd lost their job, they're, you know, they had been diagnosed with a, some sort of disease, or they were in a second category, which is they secretly wanted to make a change. They wanted to go back to school. They wanted to start a business. They wanted to have a child. And, or they were in a third category, which is that they were helping someone through a change. They were helping a colleague. They were helping a, a loved one, a parent, a child. And I kept thinking, isn't this interesting that change is all around us all the time, and yet everyone I'm talking to, both formally and informally, hates change, resists change. Everyone thinks they're bad at change. Everyone, you know, basically has very negative associations to this, even though it's the thing that ultimately we're supposed to get good at. My belief is getting good at change is the number one life skill. Getting good at change is a competitive business advantage, more so than ever now. 
And so what I started doing was collecting these interviews I was doing with people while I was traveling. And I ended up with thousands of interviews of people who'd lost a loved one, lost a child, starting a business, gone bankrupt, adopted. And I went looking for, are there ways to make change easier? Is it possible that one person gets through change in a better way than, than someone else? And why is that? Are there things they say, do, think, believe, language they use? And I just became fascinated in this. I became fascinated to find out whether I was good at change, whether I had some of those aspects. And, you know, I've always enjoyed writing. I didn't know that I had a book in me, but I think most people probably do. And I started journaling about the first 30 days really as a metaphor to look at change differently. Um, This isn't a 30-day action plan. You know, your day 17 is not going to be the same as my day 17. So it's in no way sort of a day-by-day plan. It really is. The first 30 days of looking at change differently, of looking at life events, life circumstances differently, we're each going to get our fair share. So my, my commitment was really to start a business and start a brand and start a movement that got people better at change. Can so you with that, us? we're going to get oh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, short, shortly into the actual components in your book you know, about change. But uh, how did you turn this into a into a terrific business, and how is your firm assisting now others in this life journey? And then we can zero in on exactly what, yeah, you know, what aspects. You know, I when I started doing this and I started doing the research and change and I started reading psychiatrist books and philosophers and every religious text mentions change as well, I wanted to do something that was very accessible to everyone. This was not a high-intellect, high-scientific book. It really was, you know... Most of us are going to face some sort of health challenge or death or job loss or financial issues. And I was like, I just want to help people with general life skills and get down to the humanity of it all. And I thought, you know, the quickest way to do that, in addition to having a book, you know, only 5% of people read books in this country, and we're an educated country, was to um, start a website and have it be a place where 24-7, if you were making a change, if you were facing a difficult change, that that we would be there. And the website um, now covers 60 different life changes, so everything from breast cancer to divorce to losing a job to losing a home, all the way to some of the much more positive changes from first three days of being happier, first three days of meditating, first three days of living spiritually, so much more changes that you want to go towards. Each one of those, we have articles on what to expect. We have hundreds of experts that we've interviewed. We've got tips. We've got mistakes to avoid. So I wanted to really create an environment where, you know, change is possible, you know, at any age. You're never too old. You're never too young. And that there are ways of changing in a more intelligent way because other people have been there. You're never alone when you're going through change. And what's that, what's that website? We'll mention it later, too, but yeah. if you want to get a hold the of it. The website is first30days.com, and that's the number 30, first30days.com. But it's we've, got, we, it's, we've got a couple of great specials on right now. We just did a, a wonderful guide that we're offering for free on, uh, on resolutions and goals and just people thinking through the beginning of the year and what's important to them. And it's a very different type of content. It's not what you would expect to find but it covers why some people succeed, why others don't. gives you a few few suggestions you haven't heard before, and that's available for free for download for anyone who wants. 
Well, one of the things I wanted to get into as early as we could in the conversation was something about the nine basic tenets, the nine basic things that um, you write about in your book, The First 30 Days, that we can think about doing to help us with change. Um, so maybe we can start off with, with that, Ariane. I know that um, the number one thing you have listed um, in your book is to have positive beliefs about change, about life, and about yourself as an individual. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So the book, the way I organized the book was to really list the principles that kept coming back from all these interviews that I had done. And it was sort of like clues along the path of people who were good at change, whether they knew it or didn't, and sort of what we could learn from them. And really in no particular order, but the first one is certainly important, is that people who are good at navigating change are optimistic. They have positive beliefs. They look at life differently. You know, Einstein said... The most important decision you will ever make is whether to believe you live in a friendly universe or an unfriendly universe. The most important decision is life against you or is life for you? Are you, you know, going in the direction of where life wants to take you or are things generally not working out for you? Huge distinction. And you can clearly put people in both categories. So I really invite people to go, wow, do I think life is on my side? Do I think life is against me? Then the other thing is, what do you tell yourself? You know, people's internal dialogue is either a prison for them or it gives them freedom in how they can look and and accept and adapt and embrace change in their life. You know, you want to make a really quick change in who you are? Stop the negative inner dialogue. You know, what you say to yourself will determine the job you get. It'll determine if you have the courage to start a business. It'll determine both if you feel you deserve to get married, but also if you feel you deserve to get out of a bad relationship. That all starts with what you are telling yourself, your internal beliefs. So it's really, you know, part of that first principle is helping people unlock which one of those beliefs are theirs, which one is their parents, which one are societies, which one is, we always been told that, you know, after college you get a job, after job maybe you go to grad school. It's sort of unhooking some of those beliefs and putting you back in charge of what it is that you personally want. So by habitually emphasizing the positive, which is what we talk about in the New Science of Happiness, I think that's why you and I relate so well, you actually are rewiring your mind to think more optimistically. Is that a fairly accurate assessment of what you just said? Absolutely. And there's a wonderful book that I'm just reading right now called The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton, which is extraordinary, and he is a scientist, brain surgeon who looks at what happens when you think a positive thought and what happens when you think a negative thought, and it's groundbreaking. And he has watched people think optimistically in terms of their relationships, in terms of their portfolio in the stock market, and the impact that it's actually had, the consequences that it creates. So it's very real. It's very real. And that is you know, when things are changing, people always say, but what can I do? What can I control? What can I control? Right? We all want a sense of control. And you start watching what comes out of your mouth. You start watching your repetitive thoughts. You know, that's a huge first start. Well, we know just from some of the neuroscientists we've had on our show, exactly in line with this, Ariane, is you want to change your mind. It's attention and focus. So if you're 
attending and focusing on what's optimistic, what's positive, what you really want, what you deserve, that's where your your brain is going to get rewired, like Cassie's saying. You go in the direction that you focus on. I know one of the things I, I tried a uh, Formula 3 car, I think, once, and I remember this thing was terrifying, but I remember the one lesson they said is, you know, when you're going for the wall, you basically look in the direction that you want to head. You don't face the wall. Right. Yes, and that's what I learned also in skydiving, that if you look where you want to go, not look down at where you might land if you stay focused on where you don't want to go. <laughs> that's exactly what you're going to do. Well, we're going to be right back with Ariane de Bovesson, the Uh, I want to say best-selling author of The First 30 Days, and we're very fortunate to have her. So come right back. This is Leadership Development. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Before every word, there is a thought. Before every action, there is a thought. If everything starts with a leader, what happens when leaders around the world start to think and do things differently? I'm thinking the world will change. Evolve the leader. Evolve the company. Change the world. Join Susan Kavanaugh for Summit Speed. All Leaders Rise. Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look, these are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, then you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. i got to deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Tools and Practices of Top Performers. We're talking about the book of the first 30 days. And, Ariane, uh, we're going through some of your key factors. 
But a question I have before we get into your next factor uh, about changes, is why 30 days, not 21, not 15? Any sense about that? Yeah, it's a good question. There's, there was really two reasons. The first 30 days felt like the right amount of time as a chunk of time where there was progress that could be made. It's in the first 30 days that all the questions show up, the fear shows up, the decision whether to keep going with the change shows up. Um, I know that in science it has been shown that it takes the brain about 21 to 28 days to make a change, to Mm -hmm. focus on something new, to create a new habit. You know, my background is not a scientific one, so science backs me up, which is obviously something I like. But the idea was really to give people a doorway into change. And the first 30 days just felt like a number that was not overwhelming for people. Anyone can get through the first 30 days. Okay. Well, so the first thing you talked about was the changing the view of change internally and externally. And then it sounds like the next thing is about the change guarantee. Is that right? This is one of my favorite ones. So the change guarantee is the second principle that I found that made people good at change. And it states that from this change, something good will come. So I interviewed a few thousand people, and some of them went through horrific changes. And I always asked them one question, what good came from this change? And every single one of them could answer that to me. And it was something that they learned, something that they'd become, a renewed sense of faith, a new person that came into their life, a new job opportunity. But there was always something good that came on the other side of change. And, you know, when we're in the middle of a difficult change, we all tend to forget that. It feels like there's really nothing coming positive. Um, But what I would really suggest and invite is I've written down the change guarantee next to my bed, in the car, at work, so that when things happen that might rock, you know, your, your certainty and your safety, and you focus on that and you say that from this situation something good will come, and you start triggering that as a consistent response, you'll be amazed at how life starts sort of showing up for you with things that you want and that are positive. The important thing to remember with the change guarantee as well is that it's not necessarily a logical equation. So just because there's a change in your career doesn't mean that the positive is going to come in the career. You might lose a job and you might fall in love with someone in another state and be able to move. There, there's always some you know, connection that's involved, but it's not necessarily sort of a direct equation. I love it. So let me, I just want to clarify something, Kathy, on the change guarantee. Uh, it's a belief, but are you writing down what you want it to be or no. that it's just the belief that this is going to be, this change will be positive for me? Just write down from this change something good will come. So when you get that phone call that the deal fell apart, you didn't get the house, this happened, you know, the publisher pulled your book, whatever it is. This division got closed or this didn't work out or someone's leaving okay. you and doesn't love you anymore. And if you can consistently go to, from this situation, something good will come. There's a gift in this. There's another side to this. I can't quite see it right now. Right. But I've got to keep moving forward to see what's around the corner. And that leads you to, I know I'm resilient. That's correct, which is the third principle. People who are good at change know that they are stronger, smarter, more resilient, more intuitive than they've ever been told. You know, unfortunately, most of us grow up 
forgetting that. We think that we're weak, that we're victims, that, you know, so much negative things have happened by the time we, we hit adulthood that we forget our strengths. And the reality is the core of who you are, the core of your human spirit will come out through tough times. It's what shines through. It's our very best self comes out when we help someone who's lost a loved one, when, you know, we had to deal with, you know, difficult circumstances here in New York City a few years ago. You know, the very best of the human spirit comes out when you need to face something hard. It's not when everything's great and rosy. You know, a part of us is made for change. If you think about the first nine months of your life, you, you are permanently changing. If what's happening in your, in your body, if you stop changing for more than a second, you would die immediately. So it's really, it's a remembering of you are absolutely not weak. You are much stronger. You have something that I, you know, affectionately call a change muscle. And it's sort of flexing that muscle. You, the funniest thing I find is everyone I meet says, oh, I'm so bad at change. And I have never met someone who's bad at change, ever. You know why? Because every single person is a combination of dozens of changes that they've been through. They might have lost a parent. They might have gotten over an addiction. They might have lost some weight. They might have moved. They might have broken off. They might have had a baby. They might have gotten through a health challenge. But we are a walking change resume. We're all very attached to our professional resume. And the, cha- the resume that's much more impactful and truly is who you are, all the changes you've ever made, all the changes you've ever faced, all the changes you've ever helped someone with, and they're not only external changes. You know, some of the most important changes you'll ever make are internal changes. The decision to forgive someone, huge internal change. The decision yeah. to be kind on yourself. The decision not to put, you know, some sort of, you know, negative food, drugs into your body. Huge, you know, internal decision. So change is not only external, but the reality is we are all much, much better at change than we've ever given ourselves credit for. Well, now, one of the things that is passing through my little brain is that, and I've said this so many times, is that we are hardwired for hard times. And so maybe that's leading us to one of your other principles around um, this change muscle, which is that I know that my emotions are there to guide me. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So emotions, we have also been taught to think that emotions having them, whether they're positive or negative, are not sort of our strengths. And, you know, I affectionately call them change demons, and they are those emotions that pretty much show up. Some will show up more than others for some people. Um, but as I was interviewing people for the book, they're kept on consistently coming up. And so the top six that were coming up were fear, of course, and we can talk a whole show about that, doubt, was a big one for people. You, you just don't know what's on the other side, so you just go into paralysis. Impatience, we really don't like being in the middle of change. We either want to be, you know, either side of it, but not in the middle. Um, blame is a big one. When we're going through change, there's a lot of blame energy. There's always someone or something that can be blamed. Um, shame, we're ashamed of losing a job. We're ashamed of getting divorced. We're ashamed of having cancer. Um, so shame tends to get in the way when we're going through change as well. We don't quite want to step into it. Um, and the other one is guilt. We feel guilty that we're 40 and this hasn't happened yet, or we're 50 and this has happened already. Um, so those are the, the emotions that you know tend to show up on the battlefield. And I guess the main message there is people who are good at change not only know those emotions are going to show up, 
but they don't make themselves wrong. I think it's very important to give people permission to go, I'm a human, I'm not trying to be perfect, and I can still act despite the fact that I'm terrified. And I can still go on national TV, or I can still do whatever it is that you think you really cannot do, and you can still be scared. It's not an either-or. You can still do it while feeling some of these emotions. Those emotions are, are there as a guide. They're not there to, to stop, you know, progression that's coming. You know, one of the things that's true is the, the emotion that you most resist in your life is really the emotion that is ruling your life. So you think you're resisting it and it's fine and it's really not doing anything. If you are resisting, you know, not being embarrassed, that is ruling your life. If you are resisting you know, what other people think of you. That will have huge impacts on pretty much every area of your life. So it was an interesting question is, what, what do you think is the emotion you most resist? Because that's the one you most need to start feeling and actually letting through you. That's, this is fascinating. Um, just identifying <clears throat> what you're saying, fear, doubt, impatience, blame, shame, guilt. And, and I imagine that maybe you can say something about this because uh, other folks that we've interviewed and talking about emotions that, and I also talk about this in trainings, that you have to name it to tame it. Just stating it, identifying it, and, and being okay with it yep. really allows that shift. Maybe you can say, you know, when you have these feelings, what, what do you do with it? Very much so. And, you know, even just having people go, wow, I'm doing, I do the blame thing a lot. And not only saying I do the blame thing a lot, but my spouse gets most of my blame energy or my boss or the city I live in but sort of taking it one step further, or I do a lot of the fear around not being good enough, or I do a lot of the fear around making mistakes, and mistakes in my mind are bad, whatever it is for each person. But I think the thing is, once you've identified, it's sort of knowing, well, what's, what's the friend to that emotion? What's the emotion that's going to tame that? So in the book, I basically go through what I call it, the antidotes to those. You know, the antidote to, faith, to uh, fear is faith. And that's faith in anything. It can be faith in yourself. It can be faith in your previous experiences. It can be faith, someone else's faith in you. Um, the antidote to, to doubt is surrender and actually letting go a little bit of, you know, the, the precision and the certainty and the knowing how everything's going to work out. People who can do that are much better off. The antidote to, to impatience, most people think it's, it's patience, but it's actually endurance because change takes time. Most people think change is going to happen very quickly, and sometimes it can, but then the, the healing and the embracing of it takes longer. Well, Ariane, we're going to come right back to that thought, so don't go away. You're listening to Ariane de Beauvaisant talk about the first 30 days, and this is Leadership Development News, so please come right back. Bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and 
influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rockabye baby by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion, make sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science. But it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Ariane, the author of uh, The First 30 Days. And, Ariane, you mentioned uh, the key emotions, fear, doubt, and impatience, and what the antidotes. So what are the other antidotes? You had blame, shame, and guilt. So the antidote to blame is honesty. It's being honest about what's really going on, what's your role, how you are also responsible. The antidote to guilt is forgiveness and letting that go and not dragging it with you for the next few years. And the antidote to shame is honor, and really honoring the fact that that is an experience that happened to you. It is a change that you faced or are facing, but really holding it and having no shame around it and being proud and standing in that power. The next um, principle is uh, probably the one that I've had the hardest time with, um, and that's the principle of acceptance. People who are good at change accept change. They let go of the way life should be. They let go of steering their lives in a particular direction because sooner or later life is going to go, no, actually we're going right and not left, even though you've been rowing that business or that relationship in a different direction for years. And it's really, you know, people who resist change are the ones in a lot of pain. And for anyone listening, if you are having a hard time with the change, it's because you're not letting go of the oars and actually going in the direction of the river. And the minute you do, there's a moment of relief. It's scary. There's a feeling of emptiness because it's unknown, but that's where the relief point is. So acceptance is 
one of the hardest things to change and just going, this has happened. I have, you know, been fired. The acceptance is the thing that you're looking for. On the other side of acceptance is where solutions and where, where you know, help often shows up. Next principle, I often get asked, you know, what can I control when I'm going through change? One, one of the fascinating things is while I was interviewing people, I was very aware of the language they used, the words they used, the questions they asked themselves, the questions they asked me, and it was very different than other people who were really struggling through change. People who are good at change have an entirely different vocabulary. They do not use words like failure, nightmare, horrific, um, worst day ever. And even though they might have every right to think that way, those they're not words of these. They'll say they're having a challenging time, but they do not identify their entire emotional, psychic, mental, spiritual being with very negative states. They have different questions. They'll be like, well, what can I learn from this? Why, why has this happened and how could this be a good thing? Who can help me? What has not changed? Um, who else has been through this change? Um, who, who or what can, what can really um, make a difference to me right now? It's a very different language, questions, thinking process around people who are good at change. And I cover a lot of the questions of what I call a change optimist and the questions of someone that has a hard time through change. One of my favorite principles, um, certainly found this pretty much through all the people I was interviewing, is people who are good at change, principle seven, know that there's something bigger going on. There's some level of spirit, soul, intention, bigger picture, um, connection to a higher purpose, and it was not in a particular religion or a particular faith, but there was ultimately a resting in something bigger than themselves. There was a connection with their intuition. There was a connection with a part of them that, you know, their higher self, a part of them that knew and knew how to get through a certain change. And we all run from that because it's something internal, and we all assume that all the answers to change are outside of us. They're in a book, they're in an expert, they, they're in someone else, and yet most of the answers we're looking for are inside. But we don't quite want to face that because often it takes work and it takes consequences. But what you're truly looking for is something that's, that's inside and you're... We're born, if you're a human being, you are born with the gift of instinct and intuition. And that is really your connection to navigating change ultimately and giving yourself that silent time. The last two are very are quick and, and simple, leave the best. Um, principle number eight, people who are good at change are not alone. I think our biggest flaw as human beings is that we keep thinking we're alone. We're the only person going through this. No one has ever felt this bad. No one has ever gone through these two changes at the same time. And the truth is, you know, you are always connected. You are as connected as you want to be, as you want to be, whether it's through a phone call, through email. People want to help you. So if whatever change it is you're going through, someone else has been through that, someone else can sort of provide direction. A lot of the times people who are on what I call your change support team are not the most obvious people. They're not necessarily your parents or your spouse or your best friends. Some of them don't really want you to change. Some of them are not really convinced you can change. So sometimes really asking yourself, who's on my team? Not my friends, but who's really on my team? Who really believes I can lose weight? Who really wants me to go start a business because I've been saying it for years and is going to hold that space and possibility for me? And the final one is really people who are good at change take action. And there's a reason why this principle is at the end and not at the beginning, because the actions of change are actually pretty easy. The actions of quitting smoking are pretty easy. 
the actions even of getting divorced are pretty easy. But it's the emotions of change that get in the way. And it's really sort of getting people through that. That is what creates havoc on, on some people. The best action that I've found in people who are good at change is that they really do a good job taking care of themselves. They realize that they have their health. They try and, they try and eat well and sleep and get some exercise. But there's a real understanding that, you know, your body is trying to help you while you're going through a change. And so many of us sabotage it and, you know, don't really realize that it's, it's trying to get us back on our feet. So for people who are really stuck, the number one thing I say to people is just get up and move because there's so much emotion going through your body when you're going through, shame, when you're going through change, whichever one of the change demons is running you right now. And it's through movement, through psychology, through breathing, some of those emotions have a way of actually clearing out. But there's a lot in the book about... What is a plan? Is it worth having goals? Is it worth having deadlines? Is it worth, you know, visualizing and, and doing some things that, you know, a lot of a lot of books have been saying. Um, so, yes, pl- plenty in there. Now, since you've written this book um, in 2008, I guess it came out in May, you've been on CBS and NBC, on the Today Show and the Early Show, and you have your own radio show, I guess it's uh, Change Nation. Is, yes, is that your your uh, podcast? So people can download those by going to first30days.com. Yes. But what one piece of advice is not in the book that you have learned since you've published the book that you'd want to add? It's a wonderful question. I I would say it's what I've committed to be and live and focus on this year. I'm not a big believer in New Year's resolutions for a lot of different reasons. I am a big believer in having either a word of the year or a theme of the year and having that be your filter through which all your actions go through, whether it's your actions in love and relationships, being kind to people, your actions with regards to your money. Um, and I, I, my big lesson from last year was a hard one to learn, and it was about giving up control, giving up striving, giving up making things happen, giving up Ariane the go-getter who can, you know, get things to move, and going to a bit of a newer emotion to me, which is one of allowing, and allowing a process to unfold, and allowing myself to be in time with life, and allowing new people to come into my life who are going to play a role without ever really knowing. I mean, Kathy, the way you and I met, I didn't go to that conference hoping I was going to meet someone as fabulous as you. I just, there was an opening. And sometimes I think when we are so focused on one thing or one change or handling one thing, we are not as open. You know, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, it's in uncertainty that everything is possible. In certainty, not as much as possible but it's an uncertainty that everything is possible. So I think it would be around that. It would be around, you know, sort of pulling back from being this culture that's all about doing and getting and external and striving. And trust me, you read a bit of my bio. There's plenty of, the, plenty of that there, and I know that I can certainly ha- hang my hat on that. But I hope that sort of the next few years are going to be more about extraordinary, beautiful, miracles, things, possibilities, people that I have allowed to come into my life and I have been open to receive. So it's a bit of a different shift. 
Well, it's a beautiful shift, and I hope all of our listeners go to thefirst30days.com. I hope they look you up, stay in touch, and learn a lot from you. Thank you, Kathy. They certainly can keep in touch. My, um, I have a blog that I blog on. You can get in touch with me there. Send me emails. My calendar's there. If I'm ever in your area, I'd love to love to have you join. Oh, it would be an honor. Well, thanks, Ariana. I want to just paraphrase it. One last thing that kind of stuck with me. You said the emotions that you're most resisting are the ones that are most ruling your life. So hopefully our listeners will uh, contemplate that. And thank you very much. It was very enlightening. And I want to go get your book. So Thank you. Please do. This has been Leadership Development News. And thank you for listening and signing off. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.